Welcome to the Real Life Arizona podcast, the latest sermons from the Sunday worship gatherings of Real Life Ministries Arizona, delivered weekly right here. Let's get to this week's message. Well, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Man, it's nice to be out on the patio again. We had one very particularly loud parakeet in the uh, tree over there. That he was speaking loudly to all the people on Zoom. Uh, which, by the way, if you are on Zoom, and there's many of you this morning, welcome. Uh, whether you're in Colorado or Utah or just some uh, part of Phoenix, we're glad that you're with us this morning. And we're, uh, we're trying to do what we can to make sure that you can hear during the service, because we're, we're just glad you're with us. Uh, you know, the last few weeks... It's been kind of choppy having to be on Zoom and, and doing different things, kind of more interactive stuff, but, but we've, we've done our best to um, stay in this series called Kingdom Living, and uh, so we're looking at what, what does the kingdom look like, and, and, we're, and one of the questions we want to be asking is, what does, what does it look like to be spiritually healthy? Uh, because spiritually healthy disciples make spiritually healthy disciples, and, and spiritually unhealthy Disciples make a different kind of disciple, and it's a spiritually unhealthy disciple. It's often a wounded uh, and broken disciple um, that finds out that, that the love of God perhaps <laughs> didn't come through their discipleship um, the way that, that God intended. And so, and so as, as we're looking at the kingdom, we, we want to ask, what does it mean to be spiritually healthy? Um, and and what, is it, what does the kingdom look like? How can we see the kingdom? How can we live out kingdom principles and kingdom vision and kingdom values in such a way that, that we get to see the kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven? Uh, the Lord's Prayer that he taught, it, it wasn't intended that the kingdom would just ultimately come someday, um, but that through the life of his disciples, as they, as they abided in the vine, um, as they lived out these kingdom principles, that, that the kingdom would begin to come on earth. Um, as it is in heaven, as God's will was being done on earth, as it is in heaven. Uh, and, and that's what kingdom living is all about. And, and we saw last week that, that the love of God is at the heart of kingdom living. That, that without the heart of God and without the love of God, there would be no kingdom. <laughs> we, we would have no kingdom to talk about. We would have no gospels in front of us to examine in terms of kingdom living. Uh, but, but we saw David in Psalm 139, uh, one of my favorite of all the Psalms, uh, Psalm 139, where David, we see him wrestling with this knowledge of God. We see him wrestling with this love of God that he's come to know. Uh, and in Psalm 139, uh, he writes, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down. And you, God, are acquainted with, with all of my ways. <laughs> all of them. Even before a word is on my tongue. Behold, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. And then we see the wrestling of David. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. To, to know that you know me so well, and yet you abide with me. That, that you know my, 
thoughts from afar, the words before I speak them, and yet you care for me. Uh, it, it's, it's too much. It's, it's too high. I, can, I can't get my mind wrapped around this knowledge of you, this love of yours. And in Psalm 8, uh, similar wrestling, uh, he says, When I look at the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what, what is man? <laughs> Who am I? That, what is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you care for him? God, in all your greatness, and all your glory, who, who am I that you give thought to me? That you care for me, you pursue me, you guard me? And so we saw David's wrestling with this love of God, trying to take it in, trying to wrap his mind around it. And, and last week we also asked the question, what, so what was it that empowered Jesus to stay true to his mission. With all of the distractions, with all of the temptations, with all of the expectations of the world, the expectations of the Jewish nation, the expectations of his own disciples, how did Jesus manage to stay true to what God had called him to be? Who he had called him to be? And the life that he had called him to live? And we saw that it was that knowledge of God. That, that Jesus knew God as he really is and therefore could trust him. That, that he knew the love of God as it really is and, and therefore he was able to rest in that love of God rather than the expectations of others. Uh, and we saw this powerful quote from Kenneth Boa uh, who talked about what happens when we internalize and come to know and own this love of God. He said, we become secure enough to become other-centered rather than self-centered. And this enables us to become givers rather than grabbers. Uh, it's when the kingdom begins to come to life in us uh, in, in others. We become these givers rather than grabbers. Uh, well, this week, we're going to be looking in Mark chapter 12. As our, as our central passage for the morning. And it's interesting because we've been talking about love and we've been talking about the kingdom. And I just thought it was really cool how, how the, the love of God and the kingdom intersect in this passage in a way that I hadn't noticed before. Uh, and so we're going to be in Mark chapter 12. Let me just pray for the rest of our time here this morning. Uh, Father, thank you for your word Thank you uh, that you didn't leave us to wonder who you are or what you are like. Uh, but you have had many others on this path before us, and they have left us a map, left us a guide, left us uh, a tremendous painting of who you are and what your heart is towards us. So I pray for our hearts this morning, and our, our ears would be open to hear, our hearts would be open to receive what it is that you have and what it is that your spirit has to say to us this morning. So we pray that you would speak uh, through your word. Uh, and we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, it's a remarkable passage. It, it begins in chapter 12 of Mark in verses 28 through 34. And it's interesting because this interaction between Jesus and this particular scribe appears to be 
very different from his interactions with other religious leaders uh, of that day. And we see that Jesus actually commends this man at the end of the passage. Uh, and, and that commencement, I guess you would call it, his commending, <laughs> a commencement, perhaps, uh, his commending of this man is really going to be central to what we look at today. In verse 28 it says, And one of the scribes, uh, one of the legal scholars of Jesus' day, came up and heard Jesus disputing with the Sadducees, uh, and seeing that Jesus had answered them well, he proceeded to ask Jesus, which commandment is the most important of all? Uh, it, it's literally, which commandment is first before all of the others, is the question that he is asking Jesus. And Jesus answers, the most important is, and then he quotes from Deuteronomy 6, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And hearing this, the scribe said to Jesus, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself, is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus heard these words and saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom. You are not far from the kingdom. So, so the question is, which, which is the most important commandment, Jesus? Which, if you had to pick from all of them, which one would you say is most important of all? And the answer that Jesus gives points to our theme for this week, which is loving God completely. Uh, that, that our response to knowing the love of God is to, in turn, love God completely. That, that is spiritual health at its prime. And Jesus says that loving God completely looks like loving the Lord with all your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. There's not much left after that, is there? I mean, that is your whole person. Your entire makeup, everything that God has given you, heart, mind, soul, your strength is, is what it looks like to love God completely, to love Him with every part of you. Now, I found this for you, uh, this fun fact, uh, as our friend the mall cop would count. Fun fact for you. Uh, tr traditionally, there's said to be 613 commandments in the written law. That I knew. What I didn't know is it said that there's 613 commandments in alignment with the fact that the human body has 148 bones and that there are 365 days in the solar year. That we are to 
love the Lord with our entire self and to love Him all the time. These 613 commandments that that encompass our whole self and every day from year to year is what it means. We're back. We're back in the backyard. But but to love Him with, with our whole self it is what it means to love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all of your mind, with, with all of your strength. To love Him with your whole self, all the time. And, and when I was writing that phrase, all the time, uh, it, it reminded me of my wedding band. Uh, you see, when we were first getting married, I mean, truth be told, I wasn't that big on marriage. Um, and, I, and I wasn't that big on jewelry. So I was just like, you know what, just get me some plain band, right? I don't care, just something silver, not too flashy. Um, what I ended up with, of my own doing, was pretty terrible. Uh, it had all these hard edges on it, it wasn't comfortable, um, but I wore it. And then, I, I don't remember if it was our 10th, maybe it was our 15th anniversary, um, I, I got Heather a new wedding band that, that she'd been uh, looking at for some time. And then she asked me, would you, would you like to get a new band? And I said, you know, I will someday, but I want to wait until there's something like actually meaningful. I, I don't want to just get one, you know, to get one. So I'll just wait. Uh, and, and we were on vacation. Actually, I believe it was for Heather's uh, 40th birthday, perhaps. She's nodding. I'm close. I'm not far from the kingdom. <laughs> I'm close. We were with some friends on vacation, and, and we went some kind of different ways, and I popped into this jewelry store um, that was there, and I thought, you know what, I'll look at the wedding bands. And, and I saw this one in the case, and it was cool. It looked pretty manly. Um, it has some, you know, some dark colors, some, some medium colors, some, you know, bronze and steel and all this other stuff. I was like, oh, wow, that, that's cool. What, what is that ring? And, and what, are the, what are the Roman numerals on it? It's, it's got Roman numerals going around the band but they seem to be random. And the guy said, well, those are the Roman numerals from a clock face, right? There's the three, the six, the nine, and the 12. It's like, oh, that's really cool. I go, okay, so why though? What's, what's, the, what's the point? What's the meaning? And he said, well, in the wedding band, the idea is I love you all the time. And I just thought, okay, that's my new wedding band, right? Because that's, that's the idea. I love you all the time. And so occasionally people ask me about this band and the numbers that are on it, and I get to tell them that story. And as I was thinking about the 16 or the 613 laws in the Old Testament, and, and the 148 bones and the 365 days, and, and just how beautifully God orchestrated it to tell us, I want you to love me with your whole self, and I want you to do it all the time. Uh, that, that this law... That, that for us can seem so complicated, and, and certainly to the religious leaders of Jesus' day, um, they didn't see the simplicity of it. But Jesus tells us that it's summed up in, in one command <laughs> that has another that's just like it. And the one command, the thing that he wants us to understand is most important, uh, is, is loving him. That, that we are at our best, that, that life is at its best when we love the Lord with all that we are. And we see in this passage that Jesus is giving us a target of sorts. 
He, he's painted a bit of a bullseye on, on where we should be pointed and where we should be headed as he commends this man uh, by saying, you are not far from the kingdom of God. I, I don't know of anyone else in scripture that Jesus tells them how close they are to the kingdom. Over and over, he tells people that the kingdom is near to you. But it should get our attention that in this case, in this moment, Jesus tells a person that you are near to the kingdom, that that you are right upon it, about to discover it. And he just needed to take one more step towards Jesus himself to discover the kingdom fully. To love him is is much more than all of the rules uh, and the laws uh, of burnt offerings and sacrifices. Uh, That that this man was commended because he understood that the proper response to the love of God that David wrestled with, that the knowledge of God that Jesus yielded to, that the proper response to that is to draw near to the heart of God. Because it's in drawing near to him that we know him. And and as we come to know him, we love him. And as we come to love him, we trust him. And these are the steps of the kingdom. But, But it all begins with knowing him first, that we may love him. Uh, That same author that I shared a quote from last week uh, says this in the same chapter of his book, I believe, called uh, Conformed to His Image. Yes, thank you, Brian. Conformed to His Image. Um, Do we have that quote, Jonathan? Well, the next one. There we go. (laughs) He says, Our Lord invites us to the highest calling of all. And we talked about this in our experience in God's study as well. Our Lord invites us to the highest calling of all, intimacy with Him. And, and day after day we decline the offer, preferring instead to fill our stomachs with the pods of short-lived pleasures and prospects. That, that day after day the Lord invites us to intimacy with Him, into a knowledge of Him that grows. And, and He invites us into that knowledge and intimacy that we may know Him, because He knows that the more we come to know Him, the more we come to love him. And the more we come to love him, the more we come to trust him. This is the pathway to discovering the kingdom. It's it's the pathway to living a life worthy of the calling. It it must begin with knowing him, that I may love him, and that ultimately I will trust him. It it gets to the heart, to the soul, to the mind. Uh, And this is where transformation takes place as our heart comes into alignment with him and we begin to agree with him as as Paul says in Romans chapter 7 that, that in my inward man I delight in the law of God it's, it's this transformation uh, that takes place and then we obey him because we love him you know in John chapter 14 which might be the next slide bingo just trying to help a brother out um Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I think sometimes we hear that like someone that's trying to manipulate us. right? Like, well, if you really love me, then you would do this. If you really cared about me, then you would this. But 
I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. I think what he's saying is that if you come to love me, you will just naturally obey my commandments. Because my commandments are all centered around the knowledge of that love. And as soon as you begin to live in that love, and to love me completely, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, you will begin to live the kingdom. You will just naturally want to obey all that I have taught you. I remember early on in my walk with Jesus, just desperately wanting to know what his word had to say about different areas of life. You've taught me so much in this area of of growing up and being a man. What does your word have to say about this? What does your word have to say about that? I long to know so that I may follow, because in following you, I find you, and I come to know you and love you more. What does it look like to love the Lord with your entire self, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your bones, heart, soul, mind, and strength? You know, sometimes it looks like gratitude. Sometimes it looks like wonder. Sometimes it looks like worship. Sometimes it looks like prayer. Sometimes it looks like serving others. Sometimes it looks like putting a value on being with others. Sometimes it looks like giving your life for someone else. Sometimes it looks like surrender. Loving the Lord with your whole self has, has many faces, has has many ways of being lived out, but it, but it always gets past the surface of knowing facts, of putting God on a pedestal or, or in a box. And it comes to a heart knowledge that touches the heart, the soul, the mind. And it causes us to be willing to bring all our strength to bear on loving Him. As I was thinking about what it looks like, what this love looks like, in real life, I, I thought of a passage in, in Luke chapter 7. It's, it's one of my favorite um, passages in all of Scripture. It's in Luke chapter 7 and uh, verses 36 through 50. <clears throat> and I'll just tell you the story this morning rather than reading it to you. But there was, this, there was a Pharisee named Simon. And he was intrigued by this man named Jesus. Won't do that. <clears throat> uh, he was intrigued by this man named Jesus, and, it, and he'd heard a lot about him. So when Jesus came to his town, he invited him over for dinner. And so Jesus arrived and, and reclined at the table at this man's house. Well, there was a woman in that city. Uh, she, she wasn't religious. They, they referred to her as, as one of the sinners uh, in the city. Uh, but, but as soon as she heard that Jesus was at the Pharisee's house. She she went to her home and and she got this alabaster flask of ointment that she'd been saving for something special. And she made her way to Simon's house. She looked in one of the windows and saw all the men seated at the table. And Jesus was there too, right by the door. As she walked in, Jesus' back was to her. They were all sitting on the floor reclining at this table. And as she approached him, the moment got the best of her, and she began to weep. Just standing in the presence of Jesus, her heart was moved, and she she began to weep. 
And as she cried, the tears streaming down her face fell on his feet. And seeing this happening, she, she knelt down and she untied her hair. And she continued to cry, but, but she began to wipe those tears off of Jesus' feet. And she began to kiss his feet. And then she took out the ointment from her bag and broke the alabaster flask and began to anoint his feet with the ointment. Well, as all of this was taking place, Simon, who was seated at the other end of the table, began to observe the scene and wonder what Jesus was doing. And he thought, if this man were actually a prophet, if he were of any spiritual significance at all, he would know what kind of woman this is who is touching him. And he would obviously make her stop. And Jesus, knowing his thoughts, said, Simon, I have something to say to you. Simon responded, say it, teacher. He said, well, there was a, a money lender. And there were two folks who owed him money. One owed him 500 denarii, and the other owned him, owed him 50. Now, neither one of those people could pay him back, and out of compassion, the Lord had mercy on both of them and forgave both of their debts. Now, which one do you suppose, Simon, will love him more? And Simon, thinking about it, said, Well, I suppose the one who owed 500. And he said, You have judged rightly. And then Jesus did something that no religious leader in his day would ever do. He turned to the woman and he turned to Simon and he said, Simon, do you see this woman? And I think that was a real question that Jesus was asking. Do you see this woman? Do you actually see her? You know, when I came into your house, you gave me no water to wash my feet. But she's been washing my feet with her tears. And you, Simon, you gave me no kiss of greeting. But since the time I came in here, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. And you, Simon, did not anoint my head with oil like you would do to an honored guest. But she has anointed my feet with ointment. You see, she loves much because she's been forgiven much. But he who loves little forgives little. And then he turned to the woman and said, Daughter, your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And all those who were sitting at the table with Jesus begin to wonder, who is it that even forgives sins? What does it look like to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength? As I looked at this woman in this story, I thought about the strength that it would take to enter that Pharisee's house uninvited. About the strength that it would take to, to break all the social and religious norms that she broke 
in order to pour out her love and affection and gratitude and worship uh, in the presence of Jesus. I saw her as Jesus saw her, as someone who was to be commended, someone who was not far from the kingdom, or perhaps she had already entered and was experiencing it. She's an example of what it looks like to truly love the Lord with everything that we've been given. You know, the target for the kingdom that Jesus sets up for us is loving the Lord with everything he's given us and to love our neighbor as ourself. In doing this, we come to discover the kingdom. In doing this, we find ourselves not far but close to the kingdom. And the question is, as, as we look at this target, I think in our lives, oftentimes we have many targets that we are aiming at. But, but this is the one target in our relationship with God that Jesus tells us to aim for, is to love him with our whole self. And in order to do that, we have to know him. We have to pursue him. We have to dwell in his presence, that we may know him, that we may love him, that we may trust him. And so as we consider that target, I thought today we could close with a prayer. Uh, I've kind of made it the NIV version of a, of a prayer by a man named Richard of Chichester. I don't know if it's Chichester or Chichester. Maybe some of you guys are from there. You can help me out, wherever that is. <clears throat> it sounds like it's across an ocean, doesn't it? Um, but he lived around 1200 um, A.D., so... I, I replaced some of his these and thous and, and that with a little bit more of an NIV version. But I, I thought maybe this is a prayer that we could take with us this week. Um, but it's a prayer that we're going to close our time together with today. Um, because it ends with an appeal for the Lord to help us to know him more clearly, to love him more dearly, uh, that we may follow him more nearly. Uh, so would you just pray this prayer with me as we wrap up? We give thanks to you, O Lord Jesus Christ, for all the benefits which you have given us, for all the pains and insults which you have borne for us. O most merciful Redeemer, friend and brother, may we know you more clearly, love you more dearly, and follow you more nearly for your own sake. Father, that's our prayer this week, that we would come to know you more clearly that our love for you would grow, and we would grow in our ability to love you completely, that we may be disciples who love you with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, with all our minds, and to do it for your glory, Lord. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Real Life Arizona is located in Scottsdale, Arizona, and exists to reach the world for Jesus one person at a time. For more information about Real Life, please visit our website at reallifearizona.com or email us at info at May God richly bless you.